Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Ancestralize, episode 14. And tonight's guest is my longtime friend. She is a high priestess of a British traditional tradition. She's a witch. Yes, a bona fide witch, like me. <laughs> anyway, so tonight we're going to break a little bit. Um, I'm going to say hello, first of all, to Karen. Hello, Teresa. Hello, Sean Jerome. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I really do. And good evening to Jean Jerome. So Jean Jerome, I'm going to let you introduce the uh, piece of music that we just heard, as well as the intro to Karen, because I'm having technical difficulties at my no end. No problem. No problem. For first, Take it away, Jean Jerome. Welcome, Karen. It's very nice to have you on the show. Uh, Thank many you. blessings. Many blessings to all our audience. Uh, and I uh, hope everybody's having a good Friday night. Uh, today we have a song from an artist called Adrian Von Ziegler. And uh, he is basically on Patreon under Adrian Von Ziegler. Seems to be a very good artist and, and definitely loved the instrumentation and the creativity of that. I thought it, it was an appropriate theme for tonight's show. Sounds and tonight, Celtic. Yeah, something Celtic, a little bit of a Celtic vibe. And um, I wanted to, again, welcome Karen. Welcome, again, great to be with my co-host, Teresa, on episode 14. And it's going to yes. be a wonderful show. So yes, without further ado, uh, Karen uh, yes. Dale is an award-winning author of the best-selling series, The Chosen Chronicles, uh, which can be found on Amazon under Kindle. And she's a Wiccan high priestess of the Gardenian Gardnerian Whitecroft tradition. With her husband, she has been running a coven for over 20 years. So she's really an established community member in this tradition and has several daughter covens across Canada. She's also the co-founder and co-hostess for the Toronto Pagan Pub Boot, which has yes. been running for how long, uh, Karen? Uh, almost 25 years. 25 years, is it? Oh, my God. Oh, my almost, God. Yeah, yeah, almost 25 years. So I'm not kidding when I say she's definitely been a part of the community for quite some time. And uh, you can uh, find, uh, again, more information about the Toronto Pagan Pub Moot at Toronto Pagan Pub Moot on Facebook. Uh, and it's been running since 1996. That's right. When she's not running her coven on the moot, she can be found spending time with her husband, Evan, their son, and their five cats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, She's you cat lady. people. You cat people, you. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who has any cats. Mm. <laughs> mm. Must be a witchy thing. Mm. Could be. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We used to have six. Now we have five. But we, who knows? We might end up with six again. You never know. <laughs> Oh my goodness, my goodness. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tend a little bit to the technical details. So over back over to you, Teresa. Okay, thank you very much, Jean Jerome. You see you're good at intros. Maybe I should get you to do them more often. 
<laughs> no, I won't. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway. So, yes. Okay. So I'm going to dive into the questions. That's what I like to do. Get right down to the, hey, hi, Jay. She's saying, hi, Karen. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Jean-Jerome. Jay's our one of our regular watchers of the show. So welcome, Jay. And um, like I said, I'm going to dive into the questions, okay, because Karen and I share a witch traditional lineage. And so I'm going to start with my first question. So Karen, yes. I'm going to ask you, how did you come upon your spiritual path? And could you describe your journey? Um, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> so the I would say the journey is the discovery. And um, my journey started when I was 16 years old in high school, which is very common for a lot of people to kind of check out and test out their spirituality and the like. Yep. But uh, um, so when I was 16, I was kind of I was introduced to the occult and witchcraft and Wicca and um, through a friend in high school and from there, I, I was like, as a teenager, there's not much you can do, but learn and read as much as I could way back then. And um, as time progressed, when I got into university, I was then introduced to some people who were involved with, with the Wiccan Church of Canada, which is here in Toronto. They have temples here in Toronto, um, Hamilton, Windsor, and I think think in New Brunswick but don't quote me on that um, mm -hmm. and so I became involved with them and um, and their particular tradition of Wicca which is the Odyssean tradition but I, I found that that was I wanted something even more traditional something steep yeah. um, with lineage and stuff like that that spoke to me and I ended up finding teachers in Ottawa and this is before the internet oh, <laughs> So there was a lot of letter writing back and forth and me traveling back and forth to Ottawa quite often. Um, and I got my first degree with them in Wicca, in witchcraft. And then um, mm -hmm. they asked me to start uh, training others. And that's how I mm -hmm. ended up meeting uh, Teresa. And she, so I was kind of like a facilitator for her to learn more about Wicca and the like. And after a period of time, I realized that um, I needed to take some time for myself and my yes. and went off on my own. And yes. after a period of time, I, um, I wanted to delve even deeper into my Gardnerian Wiccan uh, spirituality. And mm -hmm. through friends, uh, I, again, not necessarily over the internet so much, like some emails and stuff, I was introduced to my high priestess, Zena Davies, who lived in um, uh, Swansea, Wales. Wales. Yeah, yes. she was in Wales in, in the yeah. UK. And uh, we clicked right away. She, Funny enough, she actually had uh, signs and uh, visits from her initiator saying that somebody from Canada was going to connect with her and, and eventually that's how it happened and what was another part of how we connected um, is that the maiden of her coven um, mm -hmm. she 
her maiden of the coven and I had been pen pals for a really long time, but we didn't, but I didn't know know Zena. I didn't know Zena. And she, and so when it came to the head that I was talking to Zena and then I was talking to her and writing to her. And then finally I said, yeah, I'm coming to Wales because I'm going, you know, uh, going to be meeting all these people in my head and, to be getting my second degree with her and stuff like that, named her and she and she just flipped out because it was that was her high priestess that was the coven I was being initiated into and so it was just we are so sweet. secretive aren't we we witches we will not say a thing <laughs> sometimes yeah so uh and it was so my husband and I went over to Wales and I was given my second degree um and my husband was given his first, um, then came back to Toronto um, after spending a, a wonderful week with her. And then a couple of years later, she we brought her over to Toronto. She had never left uh, the UK except to go to Iceland and, wow. and to Europe. But so this was her first time leaving that side of the world. And we brought her over here. And that's when she... Uh, elevated up into third and I was elevated to third degree uh, in Wicca and uh, yeah so that uh, so yeah so that's that's the journey but the journey doesn't stop the the exploration doesn't stop it it just keeps going expanding and it's wonderful it really does I think you know just when you think you've reached a certain plateau or or something happens or you feel like you're stuck or something like this just life happens spirits overtake that's it you know not overtake you know what i mean the spirits come you're led okay (laughs) jean-jerome don't look at me like that (laughs) you're led the gods will lead you to where you need to be when you need to be for what you need to learn at that time absolutely stay away from those walls He'll never let me live that down. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Karen. I'm That's joke. Okay. Inside joke, Karen. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Karen. Yes, yes, yep. yes. Thank you so much. And you know, it's all. You know, I remember these stories, and I remember you telling me. But you know, it's always nice when you you get to hear them all over again and, and, and sort of in a quick sequence, you know, in a quick summary instead mm-hmm. of, you know, interjecting with other conversation and stuff. So you kind of lose that train of thought or that uh, train of conversation. So thank you so much, Karen, for saying that. Yes. And that was so many years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah. I'm hiding my gray hairs under this. So there you go. <laughs> I have all of mine, right? Yeah, so anyway. yeah it, it's COVID hair, so we're not going there. <laughs> okay, yours is COVID hair. Mine is, I wanted it like this, and I'm keeping okay. it like this. Anyway, whatever. So, okay, so my second question is, now, I know you've participated in um, the world, the society, or the, sorry, the representation, you represented the pagan society 
at the World Conference, the World Religion Conferences. Okay. So before we yeah, go so with let, any- let, let me just correct you on that. So, okay, um, I was, so this was at the Parliament of World Religions in November um, of 2018. Right. And I was the one who kind of was the hostess for the pagan meet and greet space um, at the Parliament. That was my job there. And, um, but there was lots of other people who, uh, did many different things, ran talks, did so much other stuff. The person who really did the most to for the pagans at the Parliament of World Religions was Catherine Starr. And frankly, I would not have been the one to help organize and host that uh, the pagan meet and greet section if it wasn't for Catherine Starr. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Catherine Starr. I think I do know her and I think I've met her. So, yeah. Well, you know, and, and of course, with something that big on that scale, of course, you would need some help. Definitely. Oh, yeah. um, but thank you for correcting me. I, I obviously I wrote it down wrong when we were having our conversations. But uh, what I wanted to do was because you were the representative, you and Catherine, I'm sure you got the got asked this a thousand and one times, but could you give me or give us the definition of what a witch is, what a Wiccan is, and what a pagan is? Oh, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> no so problem. with the witch. Okay. Yeah, actually, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the, the term pagan. Um, Take it away. Because it, it builds from there. Um, so when I was at the Parliament of World Religions, I had that opportunity to talk to many different people from many different religions. And I had to come up with an all-encompassing definition to yes. describe the massive diversity of paganism to people who wouldn't necessarily understand that level of diversity that uh, paganism includes. So I came up with this definition, right or wrong, but it seemed to help non-pagans, especially people who were practicing monotheists, um, to understand where we were coming from. So my definition that I used then, and I often use it now still, is paganism or neo-paganism is the um, reconstruction or the reemergence of pre-monotheistic European religions. So, so for example, um, Celtic re reconstructionists are Celtic pagans and the like. Uh, you have, I mean, there's the term heathens to describe people who are reconstructing um, Nordic and Norse paganism. And uh, they use the term heathenry. Um, so, uh, so those are examples of reconstructionism. Uh, for reemergence, we're talking about maybe Hellenic paganism from Greece, right. which has never right. gone away. It just went underground yeah. for a long time Absolutely. and it's now re-emerging. So right. it's, it's a very broad spectrum term. It's a huge umbrella term and it helped. And that kind of helps people understand that it's either re-emergence of something that's always been there, or it's a reconstruction of something that has been has been gone for a long time, or it might be a combination of both. Yes. Um, and that's where witchcraft, in terms of British witchcraft, 
mm-hmm. falls into. It's more of a re reemergence and reconstruction of yes. re- uh, folklore and fo- folk practices and folk religions of specifically um, the the British Isles and maybe some parts of uh, uh, Europe as well. So mm-hmm. that's where we get. So that's witchcraft. And Wicca comes from that as more yeah. of a specific form of witchcraft that has been reconstructed from old uh, and reemerged from that pocket, a particular area and pocket based upon. Right. Um, right. So it's, it's a tradition it's, onto itself if you want to look yeah, at it that way. Exactly. So. Yeah, Absolutely. so if you want to if you want to think about it this way, paganism is the umbrella. Uh, right. Witchcraft is all those um, spines that keep the umbrella open. Yes. And then Wicca is one of those spines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah. actually that's a really good definition. Kudos to you for uh, coming up with that. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely. So then it leads me to my third question. Mm-hmm. very nicely into could you give us a historical context of the craft in the sense of geography and people and and you know we can mention our tradition our lineage in that sense and how who are the movers and the shakers in our our lineage and our tradition okay. so I'll let you take that over okay so I mean the history of Wicca and uh, and I'm going to be using Wicca spe- specifically because witchcraft is so diverse in itself that I can't really speak so much so but I'm going to use Wicca in terms of this particular type of witchcraft and okay. um, so has it been around for a really long time yes has it been in the form that we have come to learn it to be? No. There was a gentleman by the name of Gerald Gardner. Um, he, was, he was a British citizen. He, through his experience of working um, and managing plantation, plantations in uh, Malaysia, uh, he was introduced to a lot of those pagan practices and beliefs of the indigenous people there. Um, and when he and as he journeyed back home to uh, the UK, he he was also a Mason. And then when he came when he landed back into the UK, he became involved with um, a, the, a Rosicrucian theatrical group near his near his home. And th- through them was introduced to a local witch, a witch's coven and right. was eventually initiated. And from there we, he realized that because for him, everybody was old. He was an, he was an old man at that. He was an older man at that point, but mm-hmm. all the other people were in his mind were old and he was afraid that this was going to die out. So he, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm tweak things he brought things in this is where the reconstruction comes from from the reemergence right. of stuff that he was involved with through his own experiences within masonry and different aspects of ceremonial magic uh groups and connections within the occult communities in uh, the uk at that time and through that he 
coalesced all that information and created what we know today to be Wicca. And in his yeah. books, he even states these these issues and that what he has given us is the skeleton to create to fill in the blanks for ourselves so wicca is not specific uh, yes there are specific traditions within wicca uh, there's a picture of gerald Gardner right there and he um yeah so he so he kind of broke the mold he broke he broke some um i would say old ways of thinking about Wic uh witchcraft and wicca and he brought the term Wicca into the modern age. Mm -hmm. And really, this is where we get Gardnerian Wicca from. And from Gardnerian mm -hmm. Wicca, we have Alexandrian Wicca. And then from there, lots of other Wicca. And frankly, I'm going to, and people may agree or disagree with me, but I firmly believe that if it wasn't for Gerald Gardner, we wouldn't, and his influence through his books and his teachings and his writing and um, through his interviews and stuff, we wouldn't even have paganism um, mm -hmm. in the world right now in the terms of like the Wiccan Church of Canada and people just practicing on their own. We wouldn't have right. Um, right. Uh, publishers like uh, like Llewellyn uh, producing books and books on so people who can't find a coven to work with can at least have some general information and be able to practice right. on their own. So right. if right. so if it wasn't for him, everybody would still be practicing their monotheistic religions for the most part, but not all, not everybody, but I'm just saying generally for the most part. Right. No. And, and I agree. Um, we have to remember too, that at that time, England was still under, um, under the well i wouldn't say the rule but it witchcraft was still considered a crime up yes. until 1950 yeah, so the 19, late 1950s i'm trying i think it's 1958 but don't quote me on that my brain's not 100 percent working today but uh um, yeah i thought yeah, it was so, earlier but but yeah. whatever i mean the point is that he you know he came out out of the yes. closet, so to speak. And yes. once he did, um, what was his first book? Because that was the one that sort of broke the mold that kind of threw the doors open for uh, for all of this to sort of, you know. Oh, let's all this see here. Uh, you're making book me turn around and look at my books. Okay. All right. So Gerald Gardner, before he got found Wicca and before he found, uh, before he was initiated and stuff like that, he wrote a book called The Goddess Arrives, I believe. And I don't know where mm -hmm. my copy is, but I have mm -hmm. it. And so that was just basically a fictional book that he wrote. And I think he was more or less kind of indie published or self published at that time. Mm -hmm. Um and it wasn't until later that he, so it, he, clearly he was attracted to the feminine aspect of divinity even before he found and was involved within uh, a witchcraft coven in England. And so once he became initiated in 1939, uh, he mm -hmm. produced a, what I would call, again, an independent book, um, a fictional book called High Magic's Aid. I will post it up here. I have a copy. That's the book. And yeah. it, 
yeah, it's 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 a fictional book, but there's enough information in it that kind of got him into trouble in terms of ceremonial magic and witchcraft and stuff. I read it and I loved it. It was a great read. Um, but he wrote it mm-hmm. as fiction. Um, and then when the Witchcraft right. Act was repealed, he wrote um, two books I'm trying that were not fiction and were about witchcraft. And the, the two books were, yeah, I'll put this up here, the wit, uh, Witchcraft Today yes, and yes. The Meaning of Witchcraft. So, okay, that, these, one, yeah, yeah. that one I don't know. So, so these are the two books that he published as, here you go, this is information that, yes, witches are here, witches have always been here, this is what we believe, this is some of the, ba- why we believe and and the like and trying to deal with aspects that might be considered um, incorrect by mainstream ideology about witches. So he mm-hmm. wrote these, he wrote these books and he became, and he went public. And uh, when he went public, there was a lot of flack he received, but at the same time, right. Um, it was a. It was probably one of the best things that he could have done is make Absolutely. it public so that people realize who were disenchanted with general monotheism and felt that their heart mm-hmm. meant that there was something more out there than just one giant mm-hmm. male deity with a bit like that looks like Gandalf in the right. sky, um, telling us how good or or punishing us when we're bad. And so I think that really allowed a lot that allowed a lot of people to good analogy. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were say, you know, found that, wait a second, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then from there, it just kind of exploded through his initiation of many people and uh, men and women. Um, right. And that's where we get the different uh, Gardnerian lines right. is through the different high priestesses right. he worked with at that time. Yeah. Right. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about what you had mentioned in regards to um, when the act, the Witchcraft Act, was repealed. Was there one incident that you know kind of cracked that whole thing open? And and why did it happen? Okay. Oh. Um, because my understanding, like I, I wanted to acknowledge um, what Ken, one of our uh, former guests and is tuning in tonight said, he believes that Gardner and Crowley knew one another and there was an influence. So at that time of Gardner, his, his um, I would say his colleagues for the lack of a better phrase is this, thank you. Sybil Leak, there was Sybil Leak, there were a number of um, other people that were yes. his uh, contemporaries. Correct. So do you remember, Karen, was there any one thing that cracked that open? Because I remember when I was, oh God, when I was 16, no, 13 or 16, I think I was 16 when I got the book. Yes, I was 16, Sybil Leak's book, okay? Yeah. And yeah. to me, it, you know, I was like, wow, that's exactly what I thought witchcraft was all about, you know. It, yeah. There was no sense of anything. So can you just kind of, you know, what do you okay. think? 
is what I'm asking. So, um, so Thanks, one Jim. of the main reasons why the Witchcraft Act was repealed was because they felt that the British, I guess, at the uh, at that time, they felt that that was a stupid law, that there was no such thing as witches. And why should we have it on the book as a treasonable offense when there's no witches? So they got rid of it. And then the witches went, Aha, we can come out. And so Gerald Gardner came out, wrote his uh -huh. book, and started interviewing and stuff like that. And other witches were like, wait, wait a second, you're not the only one here, dude. You know, there's other people who've been practicing types of forms of witchcraft, not necessarily Wicca, but witchcraft um, in Europe and, and in British Isles. And they, uh, and that's, and when you have the fear of being prosecuted as a traitor to the crown for being a witch that getting removed and you don't have to worry about your neck being strung up mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you have somebody else who opened the door to allow um saying hi witches are here then the other witches go wait a second we're here too and we're offering other Absolutely. points of view in regards to this and right. which is great which is absolutely wonderful and there are many people who are downline from civil league and they're wonderful people and they have their own covens they have their own ways of doing things and there's many different other traditions um alex sanders uh claimed in his in the book king of the witches uh that he was initiated by his grant i think his grandmother um mm -hmm. as to whether mm -hmm. or not that's true or not it's a moot point uh the fact of the matter yes. is that uh his practice is very similar uh almost identical in some aspects to Garnerian wicca um right. but you also have many different other traditions and practices that have come out of the out of europe and specifically the uk in terms of uh, witchcraft and right. that it was it's not just Gerald Gardner it's just that he was he had experience with one aspect now in regards to Crowley as to whether or not he ever met Crowley if i remember correctly from what philip heselton wrote in his book in the biography of Gerald Gardner in called witch father uh, i don't recall him saying that Gerald ever met Crowley, I, mm -hmm. but I could be wrong, but mm -hmm. um, they did, there was, pro there were correspondences, uh, there was, I think, mutual respect, and a high priest and high priestess that uh, Gerald had initiated uh, were also friends or as associates with Crowley as well as to whether or not um, such influences of Aleister Crowley's practice of Thelema, mm -hmm. uh, Thelema came, uh, influenced Wicca, I think there might have been a little bit of influence, but you have to understand that the occult community back then was quite small, and most people and knew... Yeah, yeah they were all contemporaries of one another. I mean, yeah. you know, Crowley at the time, if I'm not mistaken, um, he did he started up the OTO, right? Yeah. The Order of the um, Order Templis Orienti. 
orientalist or yes, something like that. I'm not a ceremonialist, yes. so I could no. be getting all of this no. wrong. But right. um, the fact is, is that people back then who were involved in witchcraft or ceremonial magic often knew each other or knew of each other. So it wasn't yeah. a really a six degree of separation. It would be more like a two degrees of separation or one Absolutely. degree. Oh. Yeah, they so were, they were borrowing from each other back and forth and back and forth, you know. Um, mm. There were notes that were, were traded and open, right, between mm. them. Um, so I don't the know. Other I, I thing, don't the know. other person. Yeah, I don't know about the notes mind, or anything. Like to... Yeah. See, I don't know about the notes okay. or anything. I just know My that understanding that was was... information. Okay, I'm just using that figuratively. I'm. I'm what comes to mind was I thought there was some sort of controversy at the time with Sybil Leake. And um, I think this is what sort of heightened the whole situation because she was named, um, she came out on a talk show or something and said that she was a, a, a witch or whatever. And this prompted um, people to, to, to get into an uproar and upset over the whole situation. And then someone had mentioned the, um, you know, that it was illegal to be a witch. And I think that this point is what the turning point was. I don't know. I came across something that there was reference to this because, of course, like I said, my first book was was Sybil Leak and uh, the Diary of a Witch. Thank you, Jay yeah. Sward, for yeah. that. Um, now, yeah. at the same time, what we have is, and I'm going to go back to to naming some of, you know, our lineage, the names that are are that we're allowed to talk about because they are deceased, right? Because, you know, we as witches keep things very secret and very private, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, taking back Margaret Murray and her, she was an occultist, if I'm not mistaken. And then there were other people that, again, contemporaries of Gardner, there was uh, Margaret Murray. She was referred to, I think you you had told me, we were talking about her as the grandmother of witchcraft in that sense, because she's no, like... No, you're, you're getting confused. <laughs> so, okay, uh, sorry. Margaret Murray... Take yeah, it away, Karen. Yeah, so I was... Take it from I there. The, yeah, I was just seeing if I have the book behind me. But Margaret Murray was a an anthropologist, and she wrote a book about the god the god of the witches, which influenced Gerald yes. Gardner. Yes. Uh, Charles Leland right. wrote Aradia, the Gospels of Ra of Aradia, which all uh, these these books were published um, uh, around the turn Before. of the nineteenth like from the nineteen hundreds. So I'm not exactly sure of the exact dates and to go through my whole entire library to find them. I'm not going to waste everybody's time doing that. No, 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 but, no, no, no. Um, but so those, there was a lot of writings that was going on around that time. Um, a, lot, a lot of spiritualist movements, the rise of yes. ceremonial magic and the like, I think what, whom you're getting confused with is with uh, Doreen Valiente. And who's considered yes. the, the grandmother of Wicca or witchcraft, um, because she she was initiated by Gerald Gardner, um, and when he went public, she backed away from him and she went off to do her own thing, which is absolutely wonderful. And she mm -hmm. actually gave us a lot of the liturgy that uh, we see 
in books today. The most prominent one that we can say is there is the poetic and um, the prose versions of the charge of the goddess. So right. those are attributed to her. Yeah, she's the one who uh, wrote those. She's also wrote many other things as well. Mm -hmm. um, she was a wonderful poetess. And uh, um, so she helped fill in a lot of those spaces with her writings. Yep, there she is when yes, she was much yes, younger. Yes, yes. And so she filled in a lot of pieces and stuff that Gerald Gardner didn't have. And I think that helped really round out Wicca for mm -hmm. a lot of uh, terms mm -hmm. of uh, goddess worship and bringing more of a egalitarian perspective of divinity as both male and female. So that it's not just like one's above the other or no. anything, one's lesser no. than the other. It's that it's more egalitarian, but the goddess is very preeminent for many people. Yeah. And that's usually the goddess is what draws people into Wicca in the first place. Right. Especially women. And um, so she, Doreen Valiente, you know, given credit to writing the whole liturgy, basically, of modern Wicca. She herself was already an initiated witch. And mm -hmm. I know that uh, Gardner and all of them lay claim to the new forest coven. Can you yeah. give us a little bit about that, Karen? A little bit of history on that? Um, I wish, like... There's the New Forest Coven is the area. So the New Forest, sorry, the New Forest is in a particular place in the south of England. Um, and there's many little towns around there. And that's kind of where he lived, where Gerald lived. And that's where he fa found the Rosicrucian theatrical troupe that he became involved with. And through them met uh, particular individuals who were who were witches and then became initiated um is most commonly referred to that particular coven as the new forest coven because of its closeness to the new forest in england um philip heselton uh is a masterful uh, researcher and he has a new book coming out called in search of the new forest coven and i think I would be, it would be best to wait to read that book before we can make any comments in terms of the new forest coven, because Philip Heselton uh, is fantastic, and I can't wait to get my signed, hardcover copy of it uh, coming out this right. fall. So, uh, and you met him. Is there? Oh yeah, we're you friends. Are, yeah, you actually met Philip uh, Heselton. Yeah. I, you know. I would love to talk to him. I think it'd be fantastic. What do you think, Jean Jerome? We should have him on the show one time and talk I about the history of witchcraft. Absolutely. Yep. So, okay. I mean, you can contact him. I mean, he's a wonderful person. His research is meticulous. His writing yes. is clear and wonderful. Um, and I would definitely get his book. Yeah. Hit so, one I mean, yeah. So, I mean, he's written. So for like, if you want to read anything definitive as to the history of these people in these situations, Philip Heselton's books are the way to go, honestly, um, because he has he, he spends years and years and his I mean, 
somebody should give Philip a honorary PhD in anthropology or something or other for his works, honestly, in I'm my no opinion. Kidding. Yeah, because no he, he's I, I, done so much for our history. Yes. No, and, and exactly. And that's why I would like to uh, read one of his uh, books, definitely. He's mm -hmm. going to be on my list. So thank you, Karen, for, um, you know, going into that. And... Um, and what, what, what I want to do is go into now, <clears throat> given the history and given what we know. Um, okay, thank you. There's Philip. All He's right. Thank you, Jean Jerome. Thanks, Philip. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> he looks a little like Gerald Gardner himself. <laughs> it's that wild, crazy <laughs> white, white hair, hair, you know. <laughs> must be all the moisture in the uk you know and the weather right you know it just makes people, people with curly hair go crazy or something right yeah so anyway so okay so given given the history and we we now have a little better understanding of you know the differences or but you know, before, before we before we go there uh something which is it, it was mentioned a couple of something. times and I think for the audience, people that are listening or tuning in, um, especially when they when they look at um, you know other belief systems in terms of you know Ifa, Risha, West African indigenous belief systems, uh, like Gardner, uh, Doreen Valiente, uh, this gentleman, uh, Mr. Heselton, or Philip Heselton, there was mention that again they they gave a, a, a renaissance or, or like uh, basically re could be considered like the pay, the, the, uh, the people that rescue or, or, or at least uh, uh, get Wicca to be known and to rescue like uh, knowledge and information that had been lost. Rescue traditional beliefs of, but, but, of the but UK. I think, but I think that one, one question people will have is, and most of them will ask is, where what were their main sources like in other words how when you piece something together right and you and you bring it together to try to recreate it in terms of or give it a renaissance you need to have you know fountains of of information or sources of information uh in for instance if we do a compare in in west africa you have hundreds of years almost you know almost a millennium of oral traditions being passed in terms of actual practice almost uninterrupted right and then mm -hmm. with the, the slave holocaust uh those traditions were brought over with the slaves into the diaspora but in the case of these uh you know pioneers or however term we want to or fathers and mothers of this faith how what would you say um karen uh, were the the sources like would they go into the countryside would they go into you know uh, old libraries to try to rescue you know documents and all that that may have been in you know um, you know ma major libraries or or museums or or you know, how, how how does that from what you know how did that work of salvaging or pulling all this information together come Come to pass. So, so a lot of it was from oral tradition. Um, yes. A lot of it was oral passed tradition. down through oral tradition that uh, goes back a really long time. Um, when I was in Wales, uh, I 
I met and had a friend who is a, uh, a Gwithon, which is Welsh witch, and his, his family and his his practices were all oral and were passed down through his family Absolutely. for centuries. So, I mean, it's there. And uh, I, Gar I, Garner, I'm sure between his own uh, research in terms of, you know, uh, research with and experiences within ceremonial magic and then his initiation and experiences and education within the coven and then talking with other people who were involved with their own covens and witches mm -hmm. uh, with mm -hmm. groups and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of oral tradition and, and it is passed and down. And it's still there and it's and still candy. there and it's still yeah. passed down orally even now. So whatever you, you can go to a bookstore or go to Amazon and buy all the books that you can find on Wicca and witchcraft. But the reality but, here is yeah. that so much of it is orally taught that is you'll never find in those books. Exactly. I was just going to say it's passed down orally. The whole point when we get initiated is we have to write down what our elders tell us because it is an oral tradition. Okay. And these are a book of shadows and they are passed down to us. It is up to us to write them. Okay. And then we keep them and we, we, you know, of that, we make our own, okay? And especially if you're in a coven. But getting back to, you've got to remember too, these these traditions were passed down orally. And even, even to be caught with, with a broom, you know, like the tools of the trade, okay? Or the, true, the tools of the craft, okay? Mm -hmm. Were kept secret because you've got to remember when when this whole burning time happened, they obliterated uh, mostly women, okay, but they obliterated a lot of the, the folklore, a lot of the cunning folk. These are the people who held the tradition, okay, and it went underground. It went deep underground. You've got to remember, you know, at this time, I mean, it wasn't until, what, the 50s that the, the whole witchcraft uh, was no longer considered a crime and held for treason. So that's that's why, you know, you're not going to get this history that you're looking for, Jean-Jerome, that, you know, somehow there's this document or whatever. These were oral traditions. And Indigenous, yeah. you know, people Indigenous to the UK, the Celtic mm -hmm. people and so on, this was passed on orally, yeah. just like it would be in any shamanic practice in any shamanic indigenous um, peoples, original peoples, it yep. is done orally. And this exactly. is what, and that is the difference between an initiated witch and a non-initiated and one who finds things in books and, Oh, I'm this, I'm that I'm, I'm the, you know, the next best thing to a bag of socks. No, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> so, you're not. So, so, so going on that, like for instance, when my mom in Cuba, was asked to to do uh, uh, a job for UNESCO to read, to basically rescue and to gather information from the Africa Afro descendants in terms of the various um, you know belief systems. Most of, of her region, my, my mom would go into some of the most re remote parts of Cuba in the mountains and everything else where they're very old in in England and from from this you know. Uh, 
job of rescuing these traditions was that and after the you know the outlawing of magic in quotation work would you say that most of these practitioners that were able to maintain these lineages for centuries orally were actually found in the countryside oh yes Yes, um, okay. most of them, and also mm -hmm. probably in the cities, but a lot of people, I mean, yeah, it's really hard to, uh, like, for example, uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki, she, um, her grandfather was the walker for the village that she grew up in. Um, if I'm remembering my, my stories right from what my high priestess told me, because she and uh, Dolores were friends, and she so she received a lot of information from her grandfather about the practices of the witchcraft that was happening in the in that particular farming community and honestly when you get outside of a city and your life revolves mm -hmm. around the seasons because you're in terms mm -hmm. of food mm -hmm. and whether or not you're going to survive right. in the winter whether it's you know, you're growing the food from the ground or you're dealing with um, animal husbands. Oh, the animals, yes. Um, you, you're tied very close to the land and it's through that connection with the land that um, we these types of practices have developed over the centuries. And, and I'm, are very, and there's different practices depending upon where you are in the UK. And even yes, here in North yes. America, it's the same thing. It's like, and that's why Wicca is not a one or witchcraft is not just one thing. It's, it's many different things depending on where you are. Yes. And that's why I said in, in terms of Gerald Gardner's books, he said he gave a skeletal aspects to say here this is what we believe this is how we this is a basics mm -hmm. of how we do things now go make mm -hmm. it your own make your connection mm -hmm. with deity or deities and the land mm -hmm. is extraordinarily personal there's no mm -hmm. need to have a priest or a high priestess or whomever right. being an intercessor between you and divinity that's between you and your deities um, mm -hmm. wherever they happen to be, whether you're worshiping mm -hmm. deities of the land that you're in or whether you're worshiping deities from um, places that you feel called to. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, not everybody. So that, and that's kind of how it comes. And and a lot of people who come to witchcraft or paganism or even, and even Wicca, there's usually a sense of I've come home. This yes. is where I've where my heart has always been. This yeah. is where I've always meant to be, and so right. we we hear this a lot from people who are who are new to paganism, new to to Wicca and witchcraft, um, that they are coming home to something that's called to their souls, and how they sing, and I'm going to use that metaphorically, sing that their soul to the deities is individualistic. In terms of a tradition of Wicca, we follow those particular traditions because those sing to our souls. But that does not preclude our own individuality and how we choose to connect to deity and which deities we can we connect to. Because how one Gardnerian coven practices will be different to a different coven. And even though there will be core material that is the same, 
things will right. be different. And the strongest, the strongest covenant is is based upon how strong the individuals are as solitary practitioners. So okay. practicing on your own, connecting with David right. on your own, Abigail, and then coming together in communities right. in terms of covens or even in festivals, you see this whole, this each person is their own intercessor with deity and how they do mm -hmm. it is personal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I want to, I want to read out what, uh, with my, what my friend yeah. Beth, hi Beth, what she has written here. I recall reading a memoir that talked about how everyone in her village went to church on Sunday because to do otherwise would draw unwelcome attention to them. But on Wednesdays Ooh. they were in circle. Exactly. Because you've yeah. got to remember at that time, the church was extremely, you know, getting very strong in England. And um, they were, you know, if a woman was was left alone or widowed or whatever, the church had the right to take away their their land even. OK, so you you as a woman or you as anyone who had any of your um your belief systems that were handed down, you know, as cunning people, because really that's what they were, you know, the witches, the original witches, right? These were four, these were people who used their folk magic, their folk traditions. Okay. They had no problem integrating with, with the current modern religion of Christianity because they used it. They understood it and used it in a way they were able to practice. So, yeah, they had to go to church. They had to show up. To do anything else was, well, you know, basically you were burned at the stake, okay? So yeah. it was, there was a lot more fear-based in, in, um, in, in the UK and through parts of Europe as well to not show up and go to church, you know? And everything was hush, hush, hush. You just couldn't talk about stuff like that in, out in the open, right? But yes, no. they were handed down orally. And it was up to your, you know, your initiator, your elder to tell you these things and to write these things down, okay? Because they are of an oral tradition. Um, anyway. Or you, or you have to remember them. Yeah. Or you have to remember them and you're taught the stories over and over and over until it's drilled into your head that, that the information yeah, right. is there. Nowadays, we don't have to worry about that so much because in many places in North America and in the UK, being a witch is okay. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. though there are still some places in Canada and in the US and even probably in the UK and Europe and other countries where not being Christian could cause problems, but absolutely. And so having your stuff written down could cause problems later on, but we're now technically in the information age now. And so we have mm -hmm. a lot of people. That's why we have so many books. We have people are creating their own yeah. books of shadows, but in, in terms of Wicca, um, there are specific books of shadows that are passed down through mm -hmm. the lineages. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you've got to remember too, at our time, we also had to know, and I, I, you know, I've screwed up my history here, but I'm going to, you know, that's why I want to go back because we do have people and we have to remember those names. These are the ancestors within our tradition that mm -hmm. maintained it as far as back as we know who they knew 
we don't know. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's, it's there. Anyway, go ahead, John Jerome, you're going to say something before I continue with my other yeah. questions. Yeah, I just find it interesting. Beth's uh, comment is that again, uh, church on Sunday, but on Wednesday, specifically the day Wednesday, they were in circle. Any fa in the holy order of Okana Ofu, the Wednesday, the day Wednesday from the Julian calendar is called the day of confusion, and it's called Oju Riru, and is the day when uh, ceremonies or offerings are made to the. Uh, spiritual or the uh, essentially the um, the heavenly witches which is very interesting that they should use Wednesday yeah. right <laughs> even, even in, in Africa mean... kind of it, it, Wednesday is the day of Mercury as well the day of Eshu and the Eshu and the communion with the witches the the, uh, the uh, Iami Oru the Iami of the of the, of the heaven of the, of the heavens yeah. the and it could be and it could be that that was the only day that they could all get together and not worry about what's going on. I mean, the, the I mean, Wic yeah. Wiccans and witches are highly pragmatic and practical people. And so, That's but the true, thing yes. is, so, I mean, it was very common for people to go to church on uh, and exude that they are a good God-fearing Christian and that so that they could practice their witchcraft without without any without scrutiny. any problems yeah without any scrutiny and stuff like that I mean for, I'll give you an example I have friends who who live in very Christian neighborhoods and if they do ritual in the backyard or whatever they get they have ish they have problems with their neighbors um just recently a a, a pagan mm -hmm. in northern saskatchewan was dealing with issues with uh, with her neighbors who were devout christians because she was practicing her paganism in her backyard and mm -hmm. so it's there's still a lot of this issues i mean even into the 1980s yes, and 1990s here in canada you could be fired for for being a witch you could lose your children for being a witch you there's so yes. many different yes. things the prosecution right. of witchcraft was still very much because of the because of the Negative centuries the propaganda that the catholic church and the protestant uh, churches put on witchcraft um right. the other factor here i'm lucky that i live in a predominantly jewish neighborhood all my neighbors around me are jewish and We've never had a problem with them. In fact, when we first moved into our house, uh, we were doing a Lammas ritual in our backyard. I'm setting up, and I see my neighbors, I see a figure standing in my backyard neighbor's uh, yard, and I was like, I went, hi, can I help you? And she goes, yeah, it's just, she goes, yeah, hi, I see you're new here. And I was just kind of wondering what you're, what you're doing. And I'm like thinking, do I, uh, it's like, I can't lie because we're about to do ritual in the backyard and I'm wearing robes and I'm wearing my athame and I'm wearing my cords and I, and everything, the bell book and candle is all out on the altar table. We're getting ready. And she, and I said, it's I, I, I can't lie to her. So I can't lie to her. And so I say, Oh, well, um, we're, we're Wiccan and we're about to celebrate one of our high holidays called Lammas. Um, and I thought to myself, it's like, next thing I thought was, 
if you're more than welcome to join us or uh, watch from where you are. Like I was very welcoming and being very inclusive into that because she's my backyard neighbor. She was very grateful, very thought, uh, and and they're orthodox. All right, they're orthodox. So she turned to uh, she. So she said, "Oh no, don't worry. I'm going to go inside, and but I don't want to be a bother to you," which was. night and day from other people's experiences as as she goes back into her house she calls out to her husband i forget what her husband's name is um she goes we've got witches like it was the best thing on the planet and i just burst i was like like this is awesome this is great i mean my neighbors know that we're and whenever we've done rituals in the backyard if my neighbors are in their backyard they I usually let them know, like, we're about to do this. Yes. And they're like, like yeah. okay, we'll make sure that when you're doing your ceremony, we'll keep it down. Or they go inside. And yeah. they go, we wish you a, ha- we, we wish you a happy, ho- they wish you all, they say, uh, we wish you a happy high holiday or whatever. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're wishing us good wishes for our holidays, uh, which is a completely different experience because I think it's because I'm in a Jewish neighborhood. Um, and yeah. because people in a crit now a long time ago when we had the the house next to us was a rental house we had um, evangelicals there that were Oof. renting the house and I think Teresa you were there at the time and uh, when uh, um, Mark and Evan started doing the big sword fight thing at uh, Harvest Tide and these evangelical missionaries were looking through the windows visibly shaking like this uh, and the other ones were like looking around the edge of their ha- the house going oh my and they realized and they were out the next day they were gone the next day they left but so i mean it's it's a different experience but i mean i think it really depends so the prosecution of witches even continues unto today and oh, because does. they don't understand because of the propaganda that the the Christian churches, both Catholic and non-Catholic, have produced mm-hmm. over centuries has mm-hmm. really changed people's minds about what witches really are. And, and we're not and we're not that. We're not the wicked witch of the West. No, we're not. And let's let's also blame Hollywood, okay? Hollywood loves to really demonize the witch, you know, Hollywood is, is is some in, in a lot of respect to a lot of, um, you know, faiths other than the ones that are, um, you know, common, the worst enemy, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, um, anyway, I want to move forward with a, with another question here. Now, having said what we have, Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're not going to go into what we were talking about before, but that's okay. I want to move to, given the fact that Wicca, witchcraft, is a practice as well as a belief system, could you give examples of the pillars or the tenets of the belief system, like the cosmology? And um, any uh, the cosmology being the divine, who is the deity, who's the main deity, um, and also the acceptance. And I, I know we've had this conversation: the acceptance of even Jesus and Mary, in the sense, okay, of the craft because of the way we view deity. 
Okay. So um, I'm going to read the comments afterwards. I, I know there's a lot of people piping in and everything, but we're going to keep it moving. So getting back to the question here. Mm -hmm. um, so could you give us examples of the pillars, like, you know, describing the cosmology, um, um, the ancestors, okay. if, and, like with ancestor worship or ancestor connection um, and any mo modalities or practices, you know, um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll look at that as a different question, but let's look yeah. at the cosmology. Okay. So Dion Fortune was a, uh, spiritualist occultist who wrote in, uh, many different books. One of her most common, uh, well-known books is the mystical Kabbalah. Uh, but I think my brain's not there. There's so many books, but she coined the phrase, all gods are one God. All goddesses are one goddess, and but there is yet one initiator. Now, since she wrote that, it's kind of changed to be all gods are one god, all goddesses are one goddess, and together there is they are one. And so, this it has kind of been adopted. By many, not everybody, but by many uh, Wiccans and witches to say that deity is seen as, has been seen as polytheistic, mm -hmm. duotheistic, and monistic. Not monotheistic, but monistic. There is no, there, there is nothing within Wicca that tells you who you're supposed to believe, how you're supposed to believe, and how you are supposed to practice, unless you are in a specific tradition and in a coven. That said, those particular deities within those covens are for that coven only. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jean-Jerome. And who an individual connects to in terms of their deity is completely individualistic. And with mm -hmm. members within my own coven, we have people who connect with um, Celtic deities. We have people who connect with uh, Norse deities. We have people who connect with Buddhist, uh, with Buddhas. Um, we have people who connect, um, who, who just see deity as not a specific within a specific mythological context, but just as God and goddess, which is fine. We don't, within Wicca, we don't tell you who you must believe and how you are to believe those deities. Right. How we practice within a coven is purely within the coven. How we practice right. within the tradition is purely within the tradition. And when we meet together in a coven within that tradition, we work within that consensus. When we go right. home and practice on our own, that is completely individualistic. And I right. and in terms of deity, it's it's fine. Who I connect to in terms of deity is different than my husband. And right. in terms of right. and so and that's fine and that's great and it allows for more more diversity. Now in as has as time has progressed from Gerald Gardner's time to now, um, we're starting to, there's more of a, um, a view being developed 
or being or being arrived at uh, that deity deity is not um, binary either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, and that's okay. And that's good. And becomes more inclusive to people who are not, who are not specifically on that binary spectrum, like there, like there, and then there. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's now becoming a spectrum of who you're connecting with, because if humans are a reflection of deity, then we need to celebrate all aspects of humanity because where humanity is non-binary it's on this spectrum and it's a glorious spectrum for everybody to connect with in terms of witchcraft in terms of connecting for christians who come to a witchcraft uh mm-hmm. bringing in or wicca bringing their you know their connection to say mary and jesus who am mm-hmm. I or who is anyone to say, Absolutely. no, you can't? Absolutely. That would, be, that would be like me say or me saying to anybody, say, if you don't worship this particular God and this particular mm-hmm. goddess, then you're not really what you say you are. And that's just bull as far as I'm concerned. Because and that, you, yeah, exactly, Karen. And I wanted to say, and that's where you really see a lot of people who, in my estimation, those that are not initiated, are highly critical of people in the Christian tradition for believing in Jesus and Mary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, as you and I both know, that, you know, it doesn't even take initiation to understand that. But those that are really following a true craft and a true lineage understand that. And understand yeah. the basics because there's a lot of there's a lot of um, I would call the fluffy bunnies out there that that have these absolute statements that they that they make that you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't. Who are you to tell any of us? <laughs> yeah. Now, in terms, yeah, but if a person is within a particular tradition and a coven and and stuff like mm-hmm. that, that's within that coven in that tradition. And what happens outside? You know that that's there. That's their little own circle. And what happens outside of that circle, that sphere of experience? I mean, that's a different sphere. So we have different spheres. Like we're all little bubbles floating on the surface of of the ocean, and we're all. And this ocean is spirituality, and we're all in these little bubbles, whether we're in coven bubbles or solitary bubbles or whatever bubbles, and we're all floating on this ocean. And our mm-hmm. practice the is to be become more spiritual to to connect with deity to connect with divinity to increase our spirituality i mean talking about the tenets we're talking about how do we see the spirituality and celebrate that in not only in each other but in nature too because nature we all are part of nature and there needs to be a reconnect to that to the natural world in whatever way we can depending upon our personal lives 
Uh, some mm-hmm. people live in rural places and and how mm-hmm. they do it is different than how we who live in uh, cities and depending on how big the city is too, do it and mm-hmm. stuff like that, whether or not they're in an apartment or a condo or in a house or whatever mm-hmm. can or is there a park nearby they, they can get to whether they have a backyard. There's so many different aspects, but the yeah. fact of the matter is that we're all these little bubbles on this ocean of spirituality and our job is to become one with that oceans and and love that ocean which is the universe in however way we want to see it whether we want to see it as the great mother or we want to see it as a particular source or the source or or whatever we want to see it as a god or a goddess or a specific god or a specific Mm -hmm. goddess it doesn't matter it's about the spirituality and whether or not we're becoming better mm-hmm. and more spiritual people through our connections and our spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what's really important uh, is that connection um, to the mm-hmm. universe around us and how we make those connections is individualistic mm-hmm. and also dictated based upon whether or not we're in a coven um, mm-hmm. and uh, in a particular tradition. In the right. context of working in those covens at that I was going to say, and working yeah. within within the the tradition itself and its framework, its format, right? Yeah. And and again to mention animism into all of this because it's it's yeah. it's with connecting with the earth, it's connecting with all the other creatures. So it's yeah. connecting with the seasons because you've got to remember this is ultimately. Um, the craft was ultimately an indigenous shamanic belief system. Okay. And it wasn't until, you know, like what we're talking about gardener and, and, and coming in and all the degrees all of a sudden, and all of this, this, this never existed. This was just common people's knowledge that was passed down orally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what we have is that, I mean, were there, there were initiations as to whether or not there were degrees of initiation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's probable that Gerald Gardner uh, brought those three degrees of initiation in from masonry, but, um, but there was a lot, there were initiations with, to become a witch back in the UK. So, Mm It's a, so we have people who are initiated and some people who are like my grand, you know, that would say, well, this is what my family did at this particular time each year. The family traditions. Of right. We, we were we did this at this time. My grandfather, right. you know, I heard you know, one person I knew he uh, his grandmother had a book of recipes and mm-hmm. that included cures and herbs and all this other stuff, as well as here, this is a really good bread baking recipe, that sort of thing. <laughs> I, was, um, I was just going to say his, that. Yeah. Yeah. And then his grandfather, I mean, had a journal about the clouds and what the cloud, if certain clouds, well, the clouds look like this today, this, that means that this is going to happen. Right. That sort right. of thing. And, and usually he was correct. So I had a friend who, whose grandparents were like that and which is, and so these types of folk practices were still, are still very much part of many places mm-hmm. in the UK, in mm-hmm. Ireland and in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's under the practices or the auspices of uh, Catholicism or other forms of Christianity, mm-hmm. we see a lot of those mm-hmm. types of things within uh 
in Italy where you have very mm-hmm. devout Catholic people who do right. who do magic, who do who do the folk Absolutely. magic and stuff like that. We see that type of thing in uh, Mexico where we see um, people who are very devout Catholics and they're practicing they're handed down indigenous magics to help the people. Generally, people who become witches or and Wiccans, um, they do so because they want to serve humanity. They want to serve the planet. They want to make life better for everybody on this planet that we're all t- connected with. And well, yeah, so there, there's a, usually a desire of service in some way. And each person will serve their deities based upon what calls to them. Right. And I think it's an individual thing, too. I mean, yeah. it, you know, serving serving their community in that way. Um, also, connecting is is that individual sense to connect it to to the divine and how they connect with it. Right. Yeah. So moving from that, um, did you want to say anything about any of the modalities or practices? Um, and do you feel comfortable? Uh- yeah, so that. some of the some of the common practices that you see within uh, Wicca are circle casting, casting a circle, being standing in a circle, um, which is a great equalizer. When you don't have somebody standing on a pulpit, and you have and that person is in the center or they're at the edge of the circle, everybody is are equals, and the first among equals is the person running the running the show. So there's a balance of equality within the circle because it's a circle. So casting a circle, uh, inviting or um, recognizing um, the four directions and thus the four Aristotelian elements of earth, air, fire, and water, and the associations um, that go with those, with those, uh, with those mm-hmm. directions and those elements, um, there's usually a some sort of invitation to deity right. to come into the right. circle and right. be there or to watch over the circle. Uh, there's and the ancestors too are called in. Sometimes it depends. It mm-hmm. depends. It depends on the group. It depends on the tradition. It depends on the individuals. But mm-hmm. you know, if somebody wants to do uh, ancestral appreciation or whatever, they can do that. Uh, some groups may even will do what's called a land recognition statement um, to recognize that the right. land that we're currently on is indigenous uh, North American indigenous and that we're here by the grace of their being Um, and just to be right to recognize those spirits um, and those people some people some groups will do that Um, other uh, so calling in deity there's usually uh, some sort of working period where some whether it's celebration and a purpose of what what we're doing when we do gather together right yeah. Yeah. So some exactly. either some sort of celebration or a working of magic for a right. particular pers- purpose. Then there's usually I'm going to use a Christian term, a Eucharist, where there's a share a blessing and sharing of wine and cakes. Um, and then you and then that was usually. My favorite part. <laughs> and I'm really lucky. I have a governor who makes us our wine, and he's fantastic. And he just bottled all the wine today and I'm like going more wine. I'm like going, um, why did you call me over so I can help 
drink it. No bottle. But um, a bottle of wine. Sure, okay, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I'm bottling it in my tummy. Uh, but no, that's probably why he didn't. He didn't invite me over. But um, the thing is, it's just. But then after that, there's usually a saying farewell to deity or saying thank you, deity, for being with us. Some people will right. say farewell. Some people will say thank you for. Uh, allowing us to be in your space. It really depends on right. how they do it. Saying farewell to the elements and the, of the directions and then mm -hmm. taking down the circle. And mm -hmm. in some groups, a giant hug is a great way to end it all. <laughs> giant That's right. A group hug. Um, so I always like the feasting at the end. That was yeah. my favorite. Yeah. So usually, you know, meals are shared afterwards yeah. for the big holidays. Right. Uh, for right. a Sabbath, for those are called the Sabbaths. There's eight Sabbaths, a space approximately every six weeks. We're coming up to Alamis, which is on the first of That's August. Right. That's and right. that's a that's considered one of the the first major big feast festival. Um, mm -hmm. We pagans really like our food. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> yes, we would we really do. And so, and even in terms of coven work and in terms of the aspats, there's usually a sharing of of a meal either before that's the right. ceremony or after the yeah, ceremony, afterwards. or even yeah. sometimes during the ceremony, depending on yeah. how, on the yeah. situations. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah so okay, those are well, some of the practices. Right. Okay. Thank you. And I think that sort of gives the the general overall. And from there, it's everything else. You know, the tools we use, whatever. But that becomes a teaching uh, part, depending on yeah. again on the coven and the lineage and stuff. So we're not yeah. going to go there. So moving to my other question is. Mm -hmm. What are the marked differences of the craft between Canadian and American? Oh, that's a loaded <laughs> I'm question. I'm going to open up that can of worms. Let's yeah, do it. Thank you. Thank you so much for putting me in the hot seat. Um, my experience. I'll support and you. I'll I'll support you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm going to, um, I have to talk from my own personal experience. Originally, right. a long time ago, um, let's put it this way. Most people forget that Canada exists in anything. They'll either talk about the United States or they'll talk about the UK. Uh, right. Canada doesn't seem to exist for a lot of people in terms when it comes to Wicca and, or they will lump us in as we, as Americans, we are not Americans. We're Canadian. We're proud to be Canadian. We're going to stay Canadian. And right. um, so what we have, I have found from my own personal experiences is that Canadian, we're human beings. And so we have the same foibles as everybody else. Uh, that said, my experience within the Gardnerian community was at first, a long time ago, very divisive. Everybody was like, you're not one of us unless you're this that's mm -hmm. changed that I don't know mm -hmm. what shifted in the paradigm of Gardnerian Wicca or just but that seems to be shifting to be more inclusive and more accepting um, mm -hmm. it might be just I'm hanging around with the people that I should be hanging around with and connecting with the people I should be connecting with mm -hmm. I don't know uh, that might be part of it um but I think there's more acceptance nowadays. Um, we're seeing 
that uh, the different lines are now um, talking to each other more and sharing Mm -hmm. and helping each other and Mm -hmm. just realizing, you know what, we're all in this together in our own unique ways and we need to support Mm -hmm. each other. And that's the important thing. We're all Mm -hmm. children of the gods and the goddesses and um, we need to stop acting like petulant two-year-olds in a lot of cases. So I think in the time that I've been involved, which is a long time, um, Mm -hmm. from like not, I'm not just talking about the, the years of having been initiated, but even before I, there's a lot more inclusiveness. There's more desire to reach out and create a large community. It's, it's definitely evolving. I can see that. It's maturing. I think that's the big thing. It's maturing. We're kind of out of the, I'm better than you are stage and you're not really real because you didn't do X and you didn't do Y because you won't tell me or whatever. Uh, And I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of people out there, no matter where Mm -hmm. they are in the world who Mm -hmm. might be acting in those ways. But I have Mm -hmm. found that lately more people seem to be more mature and more accepting and more involved involved uh, in community building rather than community destroying I think so I think there's a maturity um, I think because we're becoming elders you know and so now Mm -hmm. you know we're the ones that are leading and and setting the example and I think that's important to understand yeah so I'm going to ask you um, could you describe why there's so much secrecy let's say in some traditions as opposed to other traditions okay and I know generally we've already spoken about the burning times and everything but what is why is there that okay so there's two reasons it depends one it really depends on where you live and how accepting um the 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 general community not pagan i'm talking about the the community in which a, a pagan or a witch or a wiccan lives in is accepting of right. the direct yeah, if they're very conservative or very Christian and conservative or evangelical or whatever, they will tend to, it's safer to uh, for a lot of people to be quiet about it. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot of concern that parents will have their children taken away from them. Um, Absolutely. Or and the like, maybe lose their jobs. Even though our Charter of Rights and Freedoms here in Canada doesn't allow for that, it still can occur. And so depending on where the people live, it will determine whether or not they need to be quiet about it so they don't have crosses burning on their lawns. Um, so there's that aspect of it. The other aspect here is a is more important, in my opinion, um, is that when you start telling everybody all your secrets, they're no longer secrets and they lose power. And so if you are doing something or in terms of, in terms of Garnerian Wicca, there are many th- secrets involved. There's this joke of what's, you know, what happens in circle stays in circle. And it's because it's to help maintain the, the, um, integrity the trust between the group members, but it also uh, doesn't allow for the bleeding of the energy that may have worked within that coven for that particular right. ritual, whatever Absolutely. to go. If so, for example, um, 
you do you do some sort of medit some sort of working whether it's meditation or spell work or whatever to find a boyfriend or attract a boyfriend not a love spell but a an attraction to find the right type of partner for yourself if you you do this spell work or whatever and then um you go out and you start going to bars and say, yeah, I did a spell to attract the right person to me. Or you start talking to your friends, people. And it's like, yeah, I did this thing to start to attract. Hopefully he'll show up. What you're doing is you're just basically bleeding that energy. There is a uh, saying um, called uh, the witch's ladder or also, or the ceremonial ladder called, and mm -hmm. it's uh, to, it's to know to will to dare and to keep silent and for Absolutely. many people shutting up and keeping your lips closed is very it's difficult to do. <laughs> yeah and that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to practice so right and that so for uh so for secrecy ways in terms of the magic that might be being done within the circle or what's being done in the circle if everybody starts blabbing about what's going on it's no longer special it's no longer mm -hmm. sacred, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If everybody knows, so um, that's the thing. So if everybody knows all of everything mm -hmm. and shares it with everything, it becomes mundane and it, and it loses some of its impact, in my opinion. Now, that, that might not be the opinion of other people, but this is my opinion. So mm -hmm. and this is what I was taught as well by my high priestess is that you don't go off and blab to everybody about what you're doing or how you're doing things because it takes away the specialness of what you're doing. Right. So and it and it comes yeah. down to, you know, uh, a properly prepared person. Right. Mm -hmm. Doing the work. Yeah. And to be properly prepared you have to have certain amount of things that you know how to do and you're not going to blather it out because no. in essence you're losing like you said you you lose that energy you lose that power and at that point in time now what you know yeah it, it comes then, down yeah, down yeah down you know, to, it's like yeah, you go around and you say, yeah, I did the spell. Yeah you, yeah, you go around and you say, uh, oh, yeah, I did the spell to do this, 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 you know, stuff like that. And you tell everybody. And and then so, then you're like going, why am I taken away with my arms in the, uh, tied up behind my back in this weird little paddy wagon? Ooh, rubber walls. You know, it's like we don't need that either. <laughs> or someone who's going around claiming that they can, you know, cast uh, or put people in, uh, in predicaments, um, you know like jars yeah. or something like that, you know, thinking that, you know, they're all that yeah. in a bag of chips, you know, yeah. well, great. You know, that's yeah. wonderful. But unless you're properly prepared and really know what you're doing, you're not doing anything. You really aren't. And yeah, going you around end up causing more, it, you're leaping yeah, you all of up, that out, you know, yeah, you could end it, up causing more harm, people. not only, uh, not only to yourself, but to other people in that regards too. So and um, you're, you're also bringing attention to you unwillingly from sources yes. that you don't know what you're doing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So my final question before Jean Jerome takes over is, 
what are the different traditions? I'm not going to get into all of them, oh but um, just basic, what are the different traditions or shall I say the types of witchcraft? Okay. And I think you've already defined your tradition, but you know, just in general, um, some of the traditions and the things that we were talking about, and that was already mentioned. We've talked about Gardnerian, we've talked about the Alexandrian, and I want to kind of take it to what is a hedge witch, you know, what is a solitary, that type of thing. So just okay. general. I don't want to go into all the different traditions <laughs> that are out there, but these are Thank your general. You. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we have solitary practitioners. Those are people, generally most people start off as solitary. Most people continue being solitary, even also when they're in coven work um, as well. Solitary work is where you're, a lot of people start, you know, if they can't find other people to work with, they're doing stuff on their own. They're exploring their own spirituality in, mm -hmm. the, con uh, in the context of Wicca or witchcraft. And they're doing their own thing. And that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. but not everything's in books. And so usually what happens is over a period of time, people go, oh, wait a second, I need to learn more. I need to connect with other people and so forth. Mm -hmm. And they may either go and find a coven to work with, or they might just want to socialize with other pagans. And that's where moots fill in those, uh, that that need um, festivals and stuff like that fill in those needs as well. So, I mean, in, term, in terms of a hedge witch, you're dealing with people maybe who are uh, dealing more with um, more natural magics from where they are, particularly taking from the land directly around them. Kitchen witches. Um, steeped in herbs and working with herbs and that type of thing. Or just, or just doing stuff in their kitchen. It's like, oh, they're making bread, but they're using herbs and spices to make a particular type of loaf of bread that is important. They're not, they're not buying lots of stuff from the occult shop, from an occult shop. They're just using, oh, a butter knife will work, you know, that sort of thing. They're very pragmatist mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their practice and the like. Um, so we have many are utilizing prayer and there's a, a certain amount of things that they are doing and a blessings and, and they're, you know, when we say hedge witches, it's not, I mean, anybody can pretty well call themselves a hedge witch, but what sets them apart is how they practice and their connection with their own personal deity or how they see deity. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so they're all like solitary practitioners, but with a focus on, on a certain aspect of the, uh, of the craft, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody is very different. Uh, and I wouldn't say that those are specifically traditions, but mm -hmm. um, I would say that there's just different ways of, of connecting with deity in however the way they want. Not everybody wants to be in a coven. Not everybody wants to be in a specific witch, witchcraft Absolutely. tradition. And that's okay. And that's fine. And that's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. But still, there's many different traditions out there of Wicca and witchcraft and paganism. And um, there's so many books on the different types as well. And it allows for mm -hmm. a great level of exploration for so many people, which is wonderful. This is you want this exploration because not everybody's spiritual path is the exact same as everybody else's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So 
did you want to say anything more as far as Alexandrian is concerned or Gardnerian? Um, any of that type of thing? Just briefly. Um, there, there, you know, Gardnerian and Alexandrian traditions are probably the old, uh, some of the oldest forms of Wicca that we have. That's or the most well-known forms of Wicca that we have. Right. Uh, there are many other types of traditions, uh, like the Odysseian tradition of um, the Wiccan Church of Canada, um, Dianic witchcraft, uh, fairy witch, uh, Wicca, uh, fairy witchcraft. Um, there's so many. Uh, there's Central Valley Wicca. Uh, there's so many different types of Wicca yeah. out there and that. And it's great because it allows, there's the Aquarian Tabernacle Church of Wicca. And I've there's just so that. many different things. Yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're mainly on the West Coast and in the United States, but they have uh, chapter temples all over Canada. Uh, sorry, mm -hmm. all, over the, all over the world, actually. And uh, um, the Arch High Priestess. Uh, for mm -hmm. HBF Canada is Mary Malinsky, and she's in uh, on Van uh, Vancouver Island. She's a she's a wonderful person. She is so knowledgeable and so sweet. And I'm so glad I met her at the Parliament of World Religions mm -hmm. in Toronto. And what year? When was that, Karen? Was that in 2018? Yeah, November 2018. Yes. Right. Okay. I thought so. Okay. So I think I'm done with my questions. Jean-Jerome, did you want to go from there? Yeah, there's a and, few things. So uh, okay. I'm just going to need some of the people's uh, comments or, or whatever. Uh, go from there, Jean-Jerome. Yeah. So, okay. There's a few things. So um, comment wise, uh, there was one here. Uh, question: What is your opinion on the third fold law that has been so dominant in Wicca? What is your concept in the Sorry, the third. Oh, the third. The three fold. Oh, the three fold. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it, it's is it a law? No, the, not really. It's a it's a rule, and a lot of people misinterpret it as like is what you give out, you'll get back three times. That's not correct. <laughs> right. What you, yeah. Right. So it, a lot of people attribute it to a Wiccan version of karma, and it's not. Karma is uh, is East Indian in terms of if it of its Hinduism, and in terms of Buddhist practice, that's where karma, the idea of karma, comes from. Um, within the threefold law or the threefold rule is really quite interesting. A lot of people, as I said, a lot of people think is, oh, if some, if you do something good, the universe will give you good stuff three times back. That's not how it works. Basically, no. it is this. If somebody does something bad to you or something good to you, you give back three times that amount. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. So, if somebody does you something good, like does you a favor or whatever, or, or does you something, or gives you a gift, you return it back threefold. So if, if somebody helps you with whatever, you help them back threefold. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a uh, if somebody does you harm, you're in or or hurts you in some way. There's this you can get uh, do something. A retaliation. 
Yeah. So retribution. Now it, that is coupled in terms of the um, the Wiccan read, which states, "If it harms none, do what you will." So, which is actually a permission to act as long as you're going to take the responsibility of that act. Um, absolutely. So, in terms of the threefold rule, it's not a law. It is not really it's not mandatory yeah, it's yeah yeah it's it's something that you know if something is if the universe gives you something good give it back for example um this is a long time ago i i was walking down the street financially things were tight for my husband and i at that time mm -hmm. and i'm walking mm -hmm. down my street and i find i kid you not 150 dollars in 50 dollar bills there's oh, nobody okay. around there's nobody around and to go and find, and it was just loose. It wasn't even in a wallet or anything. And I go, Oh my God. It's like, okay. I, the universe just gave me um, $50, uh, like $150. This was in. Um, and then it's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? All right. I mean, that's really great. That's wonderful. It helps us. Well, one of our other friends at that time was having a real, even worse financial difficulties um, at that time. And he, it, and it was getting closer to Christmas time and he didn't know if he would be able to buy his kids any Christmas gifts. Right. And so we said we gave, so it things financially for him to pay his rent and stuff. So we gave him a hundred dollars of the money mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Right. We only it's, needed 50 of it, but he needed it more. And that's the that's how the threefold rule is supposed to be. The universe gives you something, you give it back. You help you you, you use it to help Absolutely. other people. You and stuff like that. Okay. If something bad happens to you, you do something to change it to hopefully mm -hmm. not be a bad thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Or you turn so, it back three times as worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's more, yeah, it's kidding. it's a guideline. It's a it's a it's yeah. a guideline, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's not karma. It's not meant to be and seen as not, a karma thing. Exactly, and it's not a way of 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 tying a, a witch's hands to mm -hmm. not reciprocate um, whether something's bad or something's good. And that's why you see a lot of pagans and witches and wiccans who who are environmentalists who look who do a lot of work with animals or maybe even are, maybe even will do things like being even just vegetarian or vegan or mm -hmm. some of them might be using their power to make changes for the betterment of society even to the point of protesting our current mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. How they feel that they need to do this change to create a positive change for everybody right. or for everything or how or focus on whatever. It's again, it's very individualistic. Uh, but the threefold rule is about giving more than what you get. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I hope that answered your question, Ken. Is there um, other questions, um, Jay? How do you think COVID has affected our communities spiritually? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, 
I think a lot of people are feeling isolated. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that Zoom meetings can uh, provide. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, the community feels uh, we're kind of back to like 150 years ago, people have to go back to being solitary and practicing on their own. But it's really difficult for a lot of people in today's day and age, especially who live in cities and who are actively part of their communities to take a step back. That being said, this is also the perfect opportunity and time for internal spiritual work by people. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if you and so take that time uh, to work on spirituality for yourself, for your for other people and the like. And as COVID uh, restrictions are lifted. Be careful. Be safe. I know some covens that are already starting to meet and get together in terms in small groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. There's small mm-hmm. groups and they do that in depending on where they are in the world. In some places, mm-hmm. they don't have mm-hmm. the space mm-hmm. to to do that, mm-hmm. or it's just too dangerous. So they're just still, you know, we'll just do our Zoom talks and connect in yep. in that way. Yep. Uh, this past Monday, yep. we had our first moot and. That's right. It was it was out, done yeah. outside. Yeah, we decided to do it at High Park here in Toronto because there was enough space to allow for social distancing. And if people wanted to wear masks, they could. There was a concession stand for people to buy food. Um, so there was a lot of space. And we had a fairly good turnout. Not nice. everybody might feel comfortable coming, and that's okay. But that being said, during COVID, I think... Um, it, it takes. I think this is a perfect time to take the opportunity to focus on internal spiritual work, to connect with deity mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. your magics to make a better world. Despite mm-hmm. the shit show that's going on right now, we're we're the ones that help change um, mm-hmm. reality. So let's change it in a positive way. Uh, for the, some people, that might be very that difficult. Manifest. You know, I mean, if we take our role seriously, we we have to look at ways that we change and we make those changes by manifesting them ourselves. That's what our spell work is all about. You know, exactly. And working, working the craft. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, exactly. Was there any other. Um, OK, Ken is talking it's about it. CX Wicca. That's a different tradition. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. Um, um. Sayat Wicca was created by uh, Raymond Buckland and and became its own tradition of Wicca. Now, Raymond Buckland himself uh, was a Gardnerian high priest, um, and Mm. a lot of Gardnerians have written and still write for the general population to create so that they can connect um, with Wicca and witchcraft mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. own and stuff like that without having to break our oaths of secrecy that we swear mm-hmm. when we're initiated. So uh, Sayx Wicca came out of that. Um, other forms of Wicca have come out of that. Uh, Pagan Way tradition um, mm-hmm. came out of that as well. So mm-hmm. it's so it's just another tradition. Um, and that people can take lineage. from a book and then mm-hmm. and then and grow from there if it calls to them. Yeah. And here we have different pictures of well, Raymond Buckland. Well, Raymond Buckland. 
So oh, interesting. Sorry. All, yeah, right, all right yeah. there. They yeah, all look the same. same. They all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think there's, there's a, a general here. archetype think, for yeah, high priests. Yeah, yeah, I think there yeah. is. I don't think it's arbitrary. I think there is. I think suspicious. <laughs> My husband's starting to get that white beard, though he's he's got getting the white hair, but he's bald on top, but he's getting all the the whiteness. But I'm not letting him get shaggy. I won't let him shag get all shaggy in terms of that. So, okay. but yeah. Uh, no, it's true. They all look the same. <laughs> really, <laughs> true. Yeah, common, common theme here. Mm. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got really three related questions. You touched on them, but I, I feel that perhaps uh, some uh, viewers that are coming from other traditions, especially the Afro-descending traditions, and all that, may maybe be a little bit uh, confused or not quite. Uh, understand one one thing is you, you've mentioned many times you know uh, the concept of you know the circle and you made a clarification mm -hmm. when when Teresa asked you about the ancestors you you basically uh, mentioned it sort of like yes yeah, some some groups may do that in some situations but you you mentioned very explicitly a number of times inviting the deity into the circle so mm -hmm. but at the same time you've also talked about all these different uh covens that may have compositions of people that have another uh, ancestral tradition with their own pantheon of divinity yep. could be hindu could be you know uh anyway even christian whatever um my question is in terms of the Gardnerian uh, uh wicca and in terms of the, the sort of like the main thread of Wicca, although I understand that each one is sort of allowed the flexibility of, you know, what would, would be referred to as, as let's say at least some common divinities, quote unquote, or deities that, uh, and I'll yeah, explain have, why I'm asking that. Because okay. instance, in Orisha practice, right? Within Ifa, mm -hmm. The Ifa corpus tells us the stories, although there may be different variations and all that, but most of the stories uh, give us certain characteristics, traits, secrets, and everything else about certain divinities, Sorry. which in, in Nigeria, under Yoruba, people are called Orisha. In, uh, on the Benin side, Togo side, we call Vodun. Or Vodun. Um, but that represent that knowledge especially contained in the corpuses of ifa orally transmitted but in the last 200 years more of an effort's been made to codify them to translate put you know to to paper to writing or digital what has been passed on for millennium verbally that's very important for for or almost i'd say an, an an integral pillar of the belief system for it not just from a conceptual or dogmatic standpoint, but for it to work. Because when you're working with those divinities, when you're working with those energies, you need a, a, a recipe, uh, something for it to, to, to basically within the Ifa practice for that, those ceremonies, those libations or whatever to work. Um, how does it work within Wicca? Though? Like there, are there, like when, when Gardner, so, okay, we, we talked about, you know, Gardner basically going into the into the uh, you know countryside, 
or different places in England and maybe the, the British Isles and interview. What were the what were the deities or divinities that were still being venerated, that were still being cult, uh, culted uh, in in those islands, and that that made their possibly made their way as a at least a foundation or a a pillar of the belief system. So generally, um, you're look, it sounds to me that you're looking for a specific mythological set of deities. Is that what you're looking for? So, so the term mythological, like for instance, an Orisha for, for, for the Yoruba or, for, or even Vodou, there's, there's, there's some mythos behind it, but there's yeah. a practical living, breathing, spiritual dynamic which is has a consciousness and is very much alive it's not just something you know from yeah. a book or or yeah. myth. so i'm talking about the living breathing patron patron uh, patrons or patriarch or uh patrons or protectors <laughs> of the faith if, if you want for that yeah lack of a better okay so within wicca there is the great goddess okay how individuals see her, she has no name. Okay. Her, the names that are true uh, that are attributed to her will be dependent upon with myth, which mythological sets people are drawn to, whether okay. it be Celtic, Britonic, uh, European, Hellenic, uh, Kemetic, uh, Nordic. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but it's a great goddess. And her consort, the horned god. Those are, the, they are not given specific names. That is what they, and then, and then, those, so we had the great goddess and her consort, the horned god. They aren't given names that I can give you because those are only found within um, an initiated circle uh, with initiates. Um, and so when we call upon those deities, those are the god. The, the that is the god and the goddess of Garnerian craft. Okay. That being said, those the different type of deities that we find within mythology of the the Celtic mythology and stuff like that. Um, are as are can be seen as aspects of those the goddess and the god. Um, they are we don't say that uh, this particular god that the goddess is only this way. Now that being said, if we're doing say we're doing a um, we're doing a celebration of Lamas since Lamas is coming up, we might call upon. A particular Celtic deity, a goddess, and a Celtic god at that time uh, for that holiday. I'll give you an example. Uh, at Imbolg, which is Groundhog Day for all the mundanes out there, people who don't know about this. So, that, yeah, in Catholicism, it's called St. Bridget's Day. But St. Bridget was a name, um, but it's well, also or Candlemas, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but it's also this, um, a holiday that venerates Bridget, the Celtic, god the Celtic goddess Bridget. So depending on the year, 
and the time of year and what's being done, different deities may be called into the circle uh, because their attributes are most appropriate for whatever is being worked in that circle at that time. But we are not limited to one specific mythological group. Now, are those individual deities individualistic um, and have their own personalities and stuff like that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the reason I'm saying that, because like, in order to, like, for instance, what, what the reason I'm saying that is that, Tarina, to call Shango in a ceremony, mm-hmm. if you have some yeah. situation, or to call Baba Luaye, those are specific energies with specific attributes, specific taboos. Ewos. Yep. And, and they have a living, breathing consciousness to the point where one way or the other, even through an elegum, they can oftentimes, you know, speak or through any of the geomancy. So if you're calling, you know, as I say, as you say, depending on the, from that would require you to have, I'm assuming, either one of two things, an innate traditional record Right of the characteristics, the the taboos, the the energies of those in, in, entities, or you have to have really good mediums. <laughs> so it's a combination like a really of really good mediums that can really like yeah. have you know so, can see and yeah. that can can sort of act yeah. as the the go between. Otherwise, it's a combination. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's, it's actually yeah, it's a combination. So. Um, because we're, because in a lot of ways, Wicca or witchcraft is a reconstruction. So uh, we are reconstructing based upon um, the myth- the mythologies that have been written about these particular uh, deities that were probably and most likely worshipped in the UK or other places as well. So we have whatever writings from those de- de- uh, those times plus whatever oral lore that we might have been given, plus, again, really good mediumship, (laughs) connecting, working with those deities so that they talk to us specifically and say, this is what we like, this is what we don't like, this is is how you're going to do it. So if we're doing a ritual, like for Imbolc, if we're doing a... uh, focusing our rituals solely on Bridget, we are going to probably do some research into anthropological texts, mythological texts, maybe archaeological texts to see what those taboos are, what possible practices that were going on at that time for those particular deities, for Bridget, for example, and incorporate them within the ceremony for her at that time. Um, and right. you know and we might you know through meditation through uh connected with that deity so we can talk to her and say hey listen lady what do you what, what do you like what do you need what do you want from us to do at this particular time mm-hmm. um and she might go say hey i want to talk through the high priestess um in the ritual to tell everybody what i want to say and if she does that then she does that so uh, we we're not limited that way so, no, so. and so basically what, what Karen is saying is it depends on the tradition, um, but it really is drawing down that energy. So as a medium or as a person that connects, you go into that trance and, and bring that deity down. Um, the, the one thing, sorry, I, I, I probably had missed. I apologize. I had some problems with my phone. I had to 
come in here and plug in. Um, my battery pack wasn't working. But anyway, um, the I think what Karen was saying too, a large part of, of the British craft is we draw mostly from our Celtic roots or from Celtic roots, because of course, these are um, deities that are, are indigenous to the culture, right? In a tradition. Yeah, so, that, yeah. so it's not just Celtic, but we're also looking at Brit uh, British, um, uh, the British deities. So, I mean, the mythology, the British, if, you at, if you look at the British Isles, their, their history, you know, you had the Celts and then you had the Anglo-Saxons come in and then you had the Normans come in who were a version of the, Nor who were descendants of Norse people. The Anglo-Saxons were Germanic as well. So the UK becomes a, and then you have, you know, even still you have the, um, the nor uh, the Nordic peoples' invasions of um, of uh, England and their influences on the people. So I mean, and religion and and the like. So we have a lot, all of these things. So the UK, it's it's not like it was a uh, left alone for hundreds and thousands like like thousands of years there were waves and waves of people bringing in their own deities and 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 as they did so their practices kind of got mushmushed with what was going on there so you you can have like the celts i mean the celts were there so you had the okay so which celts are you talking about the welsh celts are you talking about the uh the uh irish and scottish celts um, are you talking about the, about the Cornish witches? I mean, uh, do you, are you talking about the Anglo-Saxons? Are you talking about the people who are descendants of the Norse who took, who came in um, 500 years, four or 500 years after the Anglo-Saxons arrived? Um, that sort of thing. Right now, like on television, you can watch the, watch the TV show Vikings and you can watch um, the TV show the, La uh, the Last Kingdom. And they're dealing with the exact same time period in British history. But the people that they're dealing with are not Celtic. They're Anglo-Saxon. Mm -hmm. They're British. And then, as and then, when the, the Normans invasions of people coming yeah, in so, and bringing in their deities. Oh, they're bringing in everything. So they 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 become a giant melting pot of different uh, uh, deities, um, and different practices depending on where they are in the UK in in England. Right. So that's why within Wicca we're saying the goddess and the god because depending on where you are, it might be different. Okay. And we're mm -hmm. talking maybe the maiden aspect of the goddess and the or the the mother aspect of the goddess or the crone aspect of the goddess, or we might be talking about the, the hunter aspect of the God, or we might be talking about the child aspect of the God or the green man aspect of the God. And there's like many different types of aspects of deity um, that are more archetypical rather than specific to a myth mythology that we can also draw upon and not give it necessarily a name. Okay. And it's the stages of humanity, the stages of our, uh, as humans that we go through, that we, you know, that we address. It's a psychology of, of us as humans and how we relate. So, yeah, so, that too. So, so, so within uh, Garnier, um, Wicca, or these, do you, do other than mediumship uh, in order to convey or to, to communicate, do you use, 
actively use uh, ancient system of divinity like Ogam? Or do you uh, use Norse mythology? Rune? So, do you use any of the so rules? There's, there's lots of different uh, divinatory uh, forms. Um, so I don't know if anybody who does Ogham as a divinatory system, but there's tarot, there are runes, there are different types of runes depending on the type, uh, depending on where those rune sets are coming from and what time period in history those rune sets are coming from. Um, so you're dealing, I was given a, a divination system that was handed down to my high priestess by her grandmother, who is a Cornish witch. So I'm right now the only one who has that knowledge um, of that particular divination system. Uh, but there's many different types of divination systems, tons. There's scrying. There's like, there's so many different types that depending on mm -hmm. the people who mm -hmm. do them will depend, will be drawn to. Now, that being said, most Wiccan and witches and pagans will generally be drawn to either tarot cards or runes but those aren't the but those aren't the only forms of divination that help people connect not only to each other but also their spirituality and divinity mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and getting back to the question of ancestors so mm -hmm. many things especially on the Vodun side it is believed that it is your ancestral spiritual guide the the guide that come accompanies the person when they come down to earth are really is the conduit to being able to practice anything that you or speak to anything or use any system of geomancy. Uh, is that which we call uh, in Vodou a Joto or an ancestral spiritual guide, your main ancestral spiritual guide? Not always, uh, consink, uh, not always of the same bloodline, but it's basically a spirit which is uh, uh, basically instructed or chooses the individual in order for that individual to carry out a mission or, uh, or a mission. Um, is that concept, it, does that concept exist? There, it, it is, but it's not, there's this idea of, there's some idea of um, witches who have passed away could, you know, they become venerated and they may choose to give information to um Mm -hmm. practitioners who are currently alive uh in terms of family bloodlines again there it again it's so individualistic there's nothing prescribed saying you have to do x y and z and this is how this is how you mm -hmm. have to mm -hmm. uh live or practice and stuff mm -hmm. like that um mm -hmm. there's nothing like that and if a particular now at halloween which is we call Samhain um, is a time when we believe that the veil between this world and the other world uh, is mm -hmm. the thinnest. Mm -hmm. And this would be a wonderful time at, uh, to communicate with those who have gone before us, whether they are craft ancestors or bloodline ancestors or family ancestors and some, that are, might not be blood ancestors, where we can call them and and bring them into our ceremony and converse okay. with them either through the divination tools or through mediumship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So medium to, okay. 
And before we go on, because there are questions are building up, you can see there's a lot of interest in this conversation. Right, right. Uh, within, within, there's a new program, a new series that's come out on Netflix, which was uh, filmed in Ireland, I believe. And it focuses on the uh, Merlin, you know, uh, mythos and everything else, uh, but specifically on the fae, on the aspect of fairy, okay. fairy magic, and everything else within, you know, that, that I believe. So how, or because you did mention, I believe, earlier when we first started, you made a mention or, or came out the, the concept of fae or, or fairy magic. How does that, what does that really mean to you? And what does that mean within Wicca? What does that, it, do you see fae or the term fae uh, as yeah. being a, a magical form, a... Uh, like a, almost like a entities onto them an themselves. An entities of perfect. Thank you. An entity in itself, uh, some sort of ancient tribe or lineage with a certain understanding of, you know, the mm -hmm. or relationship with nature. What does that concept of fae, fae magic, and all that mean to you? Okay, so fairies or the she or anything like that. Um, those are really. Um, spirits of the land um and there's lots of different types of spirits it's they're not in some cases you might consider it some people might consider them as little deities uh but these but there is just the the whole concept of these races of beings that are connected to mm -hmm. the earth but live in almost a side-by-side -side dimension with us um mm -hmm. is very Realm. prevalent in the uh, in the british isles and in ireland um and in a lot of, for a lot of people it's and even here as well so the whole idea and the these concepts are are so infused in in our cultures so we see this you know house elves in harry potter we see you know brian froud's amazing works um with dealing with the fairies and his artistry and stuff mm -hmm. in terms yes. of fairies um so the the belief of fairies has been always very strong and it again it comes down to whether or not the individual chooses to believe them or has an experience that makes them a believer in the fairies. As to mm -hmm. exactly what those beings are, my personal experience with them is that they are spirits of the land. They're spirits mm -hmm. of the uh, plants and the animals. Um, and I think at one point, maybe a long time ago, human beings were more connected as we were more connected with the earth and less uh, uh, we had more interactions with them. Um, a mm -hmm. lot of little practices of pouring milk and honey out uh, right. to the fairies as an okay. offering, um, not brandishing iron because that's poisonous to the fairies. Um, a lot of leaving out offerings to the fairies, like for example, you know, 
things things going missing in your home and you don't you know you left your keys right there or your glasses or something right there and then you turned around and they're gone and you just go okay i'd like this thing back i'm going to leave you out this cookie and then before you know it you find your keys in a different spot i mean that sort of thing does happen and I, you know yeah. my personal yeah. experience is yeah the fairies are real. They, these are yeah. spirits. We share this world with things that are unseen, and Absolutely. some of those spirit and some of those unseen entities are fairies. They can be very mischievous. Uh, mischievous. They can be extremely helpful. They can also be very detrimental. They are their own thing, and mm -hmm. we can choose to work with them, or we can choose not to work with them, or mm -hmm but they in my experiences i like working with them um mm -hmm. and when i do ceremonies that it call upon the fairies for help or whatever i do not have anything that has iron in it in the ritual because mm -hmm. that's a taboo that's and that's something that can cause them harm why would have something like that to uh in the circle if it's going to possibly cause them harm or offend them i don't want to offend the fairy because things will go bad right uh i remember Teresa, sweetie i remember you talking about the a long a long time ago when you you know trying to find a uh a parking spot what you'd say when you were trying to find a parking spot and whenever you did that you, you a parking spot would a material mysteriously appear just for you at the right uh, at the right time um, and what did i use i used to use a chocolate bar and i'd go spot spot find me a spot and i toss out a turkish delight no less one of my favorite chocolate bars and it would work every time yep <laughs> like a charm yeah so I that's mean that's right. an exa that's you an example. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, and we don't. But, but the thing is, here's you're calling on Spot, who's the you know what whatever fairy that's, that is yeah, or spirit that fairy. is. Here's an offering of sweets. Go to it. I'm giving you this. You get me a parking spot, and it worked, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I found the parking spot. They get the chocolate yeah. bar. <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> so, so I'm just gonna. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly go through some of the questions. Uh, I'm wondering if there's a connection to Yami. It's from a Yanifai Fakemi, Aisha, Awubile, Aburuboye. Definitely with Wicca, uh, many of the, of the uh, things that are being discussed, there is definitely a lot of similar commonalities. Uh, Absolutely. What, what, what we would call Wicca and, and what we would call Karen and uh, even and Teresa would be Yami Aye. They're Iyami, mothers of the earth, as opposed to Iyami Orum, which are the original, the, the actual spiritual uh, witches. They, the witches, which are the ones with, or custodian of all of creation. And Ovalotumare. Uh, um, Ken Allen uh, says, okay, so do you rely on it on personal gnosis and revelation from the deity through a type of mediumship? Yes. That's yes. part of our spiritual path is connecting okay. with deity uh, so that we can and do how they their speak work. To us. Yeah, they okay. speak to us. Okay, next and one. Is yeah, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Now, this, this has happened a long, long time ago, even before I was initiated. And it was a very powerful experience for me. Um, I was still involved with the Wiccan Church of Canada, and it was um, 
the Sunday before Beltane. And it was like, I, st- I remember this so clearly it was the Sunday before Beltane and it was the full moon and the moon was like three day, days before full. And, I, and the sky was clear and it was a beautiful evening out. And I was like going, and I was went for a walk and I just felt I had to go for a walk in a particular direction. I don't, and I don't know why that was, but I just felt that way. So I can, I went for a walk in this particular area that I did. I've never seen before. And I kid you not, I can hear voices and rustling in the lee, the bush beside me as I walk. Oh no, we're not ready for her. What are we going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? She's walking this way. And these are voices that I'm not hearing with my ears. I'm hearing in my head. And I'm like, right. this is just freaking weird. But I keep walking because I don't know. Like, am I going crazy or whatever? So I keep walking. And right in front of me, I see the moon. She's right above me, beautiful and, and white. And in my head, clear as loud as a church bell in my head. I hear her voice say, go back. They're not ready for you. Come later with friends. And I did. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to put her around and go back. And, you know, I did the Sunday circle with the WCC and I got to grab my husband and a couple of friends. And we said, okay, we're going to go over here and look, oh, there's this weird path I've never saw before. Okay, let's go up this path. Mm And up mm-hmm. there, I kid you not, we saw fairy rings and we decided yeah. stand yeah. like visual, vi- like energetic fairy rings on the ground and a mist around things. No, there was no other mist in the park, just in this particular spot. And we go, okay, let's stand here and hold hands and see what happens. Well, at that point, all fairy hell breaks loose. This <laughs> <laughs> and they're zipping around us and we're like going crap and i'm like going well let's just keep holding hands and don't let go oh. and we're just and we're just watching this going and they're zipping underneath our arms and twirling around mm-hmm. and going on and then mm-hmm. and then all uh-huh. of a sudden i feel and then all of a sudden i hear a, i feel a, a strong tap 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 on my back and i'm like going there's nobody I know physically there's nobody there I was like I'm going I'm not feeling this this is not real and then all of a sudden I could could, you know I feel this hand grab my like the side of my back and pull really hard and I turned Uh around and I went and I see I guess the queen of the fairies of that particular area and she goes you're it and I went I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we're just going to stand here and hold hands and I'm going to, and she goes off. And I was like, I don't know what's going off. And, and the next day I had a massive bruise on my back. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember, you know, Karen, speaking of, I remember going with you and a few of us going to a specific park with fairy rings and having an experience with them myself. And yes. seeing Oh yeah, I remember when we yes. Do you remember the sound of the drums? And we yes. tried to follow the drums? Yes, and we kept thinking there were people drumming in the in the park, and it was late at night. And every time we'd go there, there's nothing there. And we'd end up going somewhere else and we're like, okay, now we're really being played with here, right? Yeah. But we got that, we got pulled all over yeah. the park. And then, all then over finally the park. 
and then finally we said, that. screw this. And we're and like, so, that, yeah. That one so, night, that night, and all of us got pulled into different directions. And I went, oh, now this is not good. Okay. This is what they intended to do. Right. Yeah. And we, we quickly regrouped because we understood what the hell was going on that night. And we laughed. Oh, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We laughed. And we, yeah, and there was no did. drumming. There were no other people in that park at that time Except of night. Us. I remember Except that us. very, very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, bizarre. Um, yeah. So Ainifa is asking, are the Druids a branch of Wiccan or are they a different lineage? Um, so go ahead. Druid, okay. So Druids, um, Druids were the priestly caste of the Celts. They were decimated, mostly decimated by the Roman invasion in the late uh, 70s. Sorry, not 1970s, but I think it was 79 uh, CE. Um, and so they were kind of yeah. more or less, yeah, yeah, so by the Romans, uh, when, they right. when they attacked, um, the, uh, when they attacked. And so the current, so there's, are there druids descended from that? Not sure. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. That being said, in the They're 1800s, during the revival of spiritual, uh, spiritualism and earth-based religions and stuff, the there were um, people who kind of reconstructed what they believed to be uh, be Druidism, and they eventually be and they created and set up Istafoths all over the place. Uh, those are stone circles for them to practice uh, worship in. Um, they became the order of Ovates, Bards, and Druids in the UK, right. and they've been running now for over a hundred years. Um, mm -hmm. So they're completely separate. They have no basis whatsoever on Wicca or the like. That now. Mm -hmm. In North America, um, there was uh, there are druids here in North America that were founded by a group of people who were pagans and maybe witches as well, um, but wanted to be more of a druidic reconstruction, and so they uh, created what's called the ADF, and predominantly mm -hmm. those people who are considered druids are either members of the ADF or OBOD or, or both. Um, mm -hmm. And they're completely separate and distinct from Wicca and right. witchcraft, but they still fall under the umbrella of, of paganism. So they're just a different, um, a mm -hmm. different skeletal structure of that, of that, umbrella mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. wicca is uh, they're just a different one just like heathenry is but right. it's all pagan but they but they're not uh they're they're very different and their ceremonies are very di different um right. they're very they beautiful they uh, they have a lot more christian influence too i'm not sure about that i can't talk to that if uh, uh to mm -hmm. that uh you'd have to talk to the one that a that i had uh, yeah. Came into contact if you were to it. talk, yeah, I know, I know a, a couple of people who are druids uh, here in southern Ontario, and um, if you wanted to interview one of them for your show, I could talk to her and see and get her to contact you. 
but Perfect. I really can't say too much in regards to Perfect. druidry because that's not my thing. Oh, right. well, 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 but that's good because I think a lot of people uh, like, like Yanifa, uh, when they think of Wicca and all that, they, they because of you know the, the location, the locality, they group them together, right? So they believe that maybe some aspects of druidry have been preserved or are uh, reborn in Wicca, right? So it's good. It's good to know yeah. that there's this right. is really yeah. no, area. Definitely. They're different. It's different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. So Ken Allen says we have the same thing in the Muscogee traditions. First Nations, uh, Fae are the little people. Yes. We acknowledge them, definitely. Of course, we all, I mean, you know, I acknowledge them in my own backyard. Um, definitely. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, my daughter had an experience with them. Fairies are real. And then she said, yep. yes, same as my daughter. She woke up with a bruise on her back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and if they start getting, and the thing is with the fairies, if you start, if they start getting, if you don't listen to them, they'll ramp up their mischievousness. So mm -hmm. that's the thing. You have to be kind of, you have to listen to them when they want to tell you something. You better listen, otherwise you're going to start missing things throughout the house. You're going to start forgetting things. You know, your car might not start one day. You'll go why aren't the lights coming on and you'll find that the breakers was thrown or something like mm -hmm. that, or your favorite, your favorite mm -hmm. uh, a knife or something might disappear because they've taken it away or whatever. Um, you, you might, you know, some of the things is like, why am I getting more knots in my hair while I'm sleeping? That's a common thing that fairies do. They will make more yeah. knots in your hair. If you have shoelace, yeah. if you have shoes that have shoelace, places you might be going like i came home and then i went to put my shoes on the next day why are my shoelaces tied yeah in a giant knot and things like that it means that they have they you know if they're doing these sorts of things they want it they have a message for you and you're just not listening and yeah and, and you need to pay attention you have to give them offerings that's that's what i know yeah that's what i yep. have yeah, yeah and, and we give offerings almost every night and that seems to work yeah, and and for for Yanifa's uh, benefit, uh, the only old dude I know specifically talks about uh, fairies uh, is uh, the Odu Otura Otrupon. So Otura right. Otrupon talks about fairy, and I know that old dude very well. So, but yes, that's that's a story for another show. Um, yeah. Well, Karen, I think we're we're at the two hour and twenty four mark. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna, we, 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 the show has been so interesting. We've covered a lot of very good material. Yes, I'm, we have. Uh, I'm putting up uh, how people can uh, contact you. Uh, while I'm doing that, and uh, also I'm going to put up your book and, and on Amazon, the, Chron the Chosen Chronicles. Is there any quote? And as a spider is walking on my wall. Hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, and uh, so the, my question is, uh, we usually, as part of our show, have ask our guests to uh, say a quote, something which basically yes. sums up their their view of life, their view of their spiritual your, practice, your belief system, or, or what you words you live by, Karen. Uh, words that I live by. Um, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact words of this quote. But it's from Kung Fu Panda. And it's I when, love it. 
and I it's, love it. it is what, <laughs> and it's when uh, Grandmaster Mogwe is talking to uh, mm. to Poe, and he basically says to Poe, you know, the past is history, the future is a mystery, and today is a gift, and that is why it's called a present. Very Aww. good. Very nice. Cute. Very nice. I love it. Very cute. I love very, it. Very, very I think cute. that's really, really nice. Thank you, Karen. You're now, Karen, I, I wanted to also mention, uh, we've talked about this, the pagan pub moot. Now, this is something yes. that, uh, you know, our coven way back had actually started and it had taken off on a life of its own throughout North America um, yeah. because of the pagan pub moot. So I want you to plug the pagan pub moot and how people can get in touch and where to go, especially during these times. Okay. okay. Where does it normally take place? And now what is happening currently because of COVID? Okay, so um, the Toronto Pega Pub Moot meets the third calendar Monday of every month from 7 o'clock uh, in the evening to 11 o'clock at night. Uh, for the last decade or so, we have been meeting at the Midtown Gastro Hub, which is at 1535 Young Street on their second floor party room. During the summer, we they give us their second floor um, patio, but due to mm -hmm. COVID, uh, we we haven't been able to meet there, and for the last from from April, May, and June, we did Zoom meetings. I hate those. I hate Zoom meetings. Um, and I so attended did, a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. So we we did them. It's they're okay. But then um, this past Monday, we just did a one at High Park, and we're going to be doing it again next month. Again at nice. High Park uh, near the concession stand near the kids park, uh, the kids area, uh, not where the castle is, but on off of the main entrance off of Bloor. We're hoping to do that again. Rain or shine because there's an under uh, there's a covered picnic area there too we can hide at. Um, and hopefully by September we'll be back at the pub. Um, if people Where's want. Where's the pub? It's on uh, Young Street, just north of uh, St. Clair. So it's accessible right. by CTC. That's right. And there's parking. And there's par free parking at the church right across the street from us. Um, right. So we're hoping to be back there in September. Fingers crossed, depending on if people are going to continue social distancing and wearing their masks so that Ontario and specifically Toronto rates can keep going down. So people be smart, stay safe, wear that damn mask. Um, so we're hoping to be there again, uh, and hopefully yes. we'll be back at the at the Midtown uh, come September or hope or even October because um, it's a great place for people to connect. Um, this past Monday we had this new girl show up. She was a very sweet young lady, um, and it was. It was a perfect. She was telling us what her interests were, and I. That's how I contacted Jean Jerome to help her with her path, because she's interested in Ifa and the um, African religions. Nice. Um, right. So it's the pub mood is just pub moods are purely social events, right? But they're also a great way to network, to find out right. what's going on in the greater pagan communities. 
Um, they are also a great place to make new friends, um, find groups to study with, to find teachers to study with, and just hang out and have wonderful uh, meals with, or just hang out with people who are of yeah. a like spirit, which is great. Right. And yeah, so without having to go, oh, I have to go through this ritual before I can go and participate. So this is just a purely right. social thing. And right. it's been successful for almost 25 years. And and right. I hope right. and I hope with God's favor to uh, be able to attend next time you have it. Yeah, so, I'm hoping yeah. so too, Jean Jerome. That would yeah. be awesome. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and, yeah. and thank you, and thank you, Karen, for again. Thank for, you, thank for, you so for much for having me. Over. This has been wonderful. So yeah, and, thank, and, you. thank you. It was nice and to it, reconnect and talk and chat and get yeah. corrected Yay. on things and, and whatever. And, <laughs> and this is why we do it again for everybody. I. I I say this almost every show. Again, our, our, one of our main missions with this uh, podcast, with this live on Facebook, is to showcase and to give an opportunity for different belief systems, ancestral belief systems, to, to talk about their story, to talk about their yes. practice, to talk about their contributions to society and to yes. community, yes. and so that practitioners, no matter what belief system you follow, that you do not feel isolated, extricated, you know, uh, uh, in in danger. That you feel that you're not alone. In other words, that there's a sense of community, and uh, there are others out there that we have your back. Uh, yeah. So we're we're trying to get the word out that yeah. uh, you know for people to to know I'm that connected. that they're connected, that all these belief systems re 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 deserve the same and should enjoy the same respect as any of the other monotheistic belief systems, whether it be Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. As right. we respect them, so should they respect all our Absolutely. beliefs. Right? Absolutely. Because respect is the funda yep. fundamental aspect of peace. Right? Yes. Without, right? Without respect, there is no peace. Right? So, no. Um, no. Absolutely. I, I uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Kenneth says, I'm, I'm in, baby. And, uh, <laughs> Jay says thank you, Jean Teresa and Karen. And I I cannot adjourn this show without giving a special acknowledgement to one of our newest and most loyal uh, viewers, uh, which I'm going to I I I have to uh, basically showcase them. If give me two seconds. Because okay. this is like I, I can't end the show without this. This is one of our most faithful uh, viewers, so stand by, and I'm just okay. gonna I'm gonna start doing this every once in a while based on permission. But in this case, I think I have permission to to showcase this oh. one. <laughs> yes, I love this one. Let me make sure I get the right one here. This is our one of our most loyal viewers, Mojo. Yay, Mojo! <laughs> Mojo the kitty. He belongs so to Beth, and he tunes in every time our show comes uh, on. Every time our show comes on, uh, Beth is all is at her cottage up north, and uh, you know it's it's one of the beautiful things uh, that you know, for whatever reason, apparently Beth hasn't indicated that, that he has an aptitude to really pay attention to. Uh, a computer screen otherwise. Well, this is the second 
second time that we have our show that this kid is basically just stuck at the screen watching. So, <laughs> we, we, you know, you got to love it, right? So, and I said, oh, and I said just this is a, an, an IFA now. With any fa, there are two. There's two primary orders where it talks about awo or logbo. Awo or logbo is when the cat uh, was a babalao. In other words, it is a metaphor where the cat was actually initiated to fa. Or one rain, or one rain may, one may, and okanaika. So I told Beth that that's my future godson. <laughs> my first awo. <laughs> It. He deserves it. He deserves He's it. So cute. I love it. <laughs> Look at him. Honest to God, he is. Yay, Mojo. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> and that was for the benefit of Mojo, our loyal listener. All right. right. Awesome. Just to show so, that our show is not just you know from different nationalities or belief system, but even different species. Or humans. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, yeah. Karen, yes. I want to yeah. say thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I had a very good time. I'm sure our listeners have. And I want to say thank you to all. The, oh, Beth has, says, go Mojo. Go Mojo. Go Mojo. <laughs> Oh Get my your God. mojo running. Isn't there a song? We got to another time. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. It's so cute. Now off running circles with his sister. There you go. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Karen, thank you very much. It's been a yes. very amazing show. And thank you so thank much. Thank you so for, much uh, for having me. Up. This has been great. If you ever want me back, I'd be happy to come back. Yeah, you, you are. You are always welcome. You know, I consider Absolutely. you now my sister and, uh, and family. Part of the family, We're family and, uh, Karen. And a big <laughs> hug. And a big hug from 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 myself. And many blessings to you, your family, and to your coven. Thank you. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay. thank you. And thank you to everybody who tuned right. in tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. Have a safe weekend, everybody. And take care. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Absolutely. And we'll see you next Friday. All right. All right. And hold on. Jay says. Yeah. Is, and Jay, Jay is saying, is Mojo your new mascot? He said, well, we're, we're definitely thinking about making him. An honorary. Yeah, I, think, I, I think that's necessary. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Instead, so, instead of we're going to have to spider, ask permission from his mom. Okay. That's right. yeah, instead of the spider, put a picture of Mojo up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I say, Odabo, good evening. And for our special guest, Mojo, meow, meow. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Okay, thank bye. you. Bye. 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 Take care. Bye, Karen. All Bye. the best.